8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. I promise you, two hours with Dr. Judy Lamini was not enough. We had one hour, so clearly it's not enough. Um, and I hope you enjoy that. Having said that, there's so many lessons to learn from what she's done together with uh, with her husband, uh, which I deliberately decided not to talk too much about because then it means that everything is defined by him. But she's a achiever in her own right. But she's where in Kasana, uh, of course, first uh, former CEO of First Rand as well, major impact in his own life. So uh, quite a formidable couple. You'll get a podcast up of uh, the interview tomorrow morning. Uh, check it up on the SAFM website, safm.co.za, safm.co.za. So there's uh, important PSL games on the go. Now, you know that position at the top is incredibly tight after those results last week where Cape Town City, I think it was, with Benny McCarthy's team defeating Sundowns. But today, Sundowns are in pretty good form. 12 minutes to go. They are ahead of Marisburg United by two goals to nil. Marisburg's got their own problems, of course, but right now, Sundowns 2 up after their very good win in the African Champions League, of course, on, was it Saturday night, where they were so, so impressive against uh, Lobe. I saw those goals, just absolutely magnificent. Okay, we'll update you on that if things change as and when it goes. Let's talk about something that we wish it changes from where it is right now to something much better because it's a huge concern with where we are now. I'm talking about... ASCOM or lights on or lights out and where are we going to go with this? So ASCOM's really got problems. Let's try and understand the who, what, when, where, why of what the problems are and, and will those problems persist? Or, or It is so absolutely cliched, but I need to say it once again. Will we see literally light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, my guest is Chris Hatting, who's a researcher at the Free Market Foundation. Chris, good chatting to you once again. Thanks for your time. Good evening, Ashraf. Thank you very much for having me on. Good. I'm glad I get to follow up your previous uh, speaker with this very depressing topic. Well, there you are. Okay, well, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And as you know, she was very positive about where we need to go, right? Uh, first of all, quick synopsis of help us understand where do we stand with regard to ESCOM. There's like four or five key problems mm. that, that needs to be uh, explained. What, what are they? I think probably the most important, the debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the debt where ESCOM sits right now, we know that President Ramaphosa and his uh, his sona he promised, uh, and uh, the, the finance minister, Tito Mboweni, promised X amount of money for ESCOM over the next three years. Mm-hmm. But the debt is simply astronomical. Um, as much as we keep throwing at the problem, it doesn't seem to go away, and I think that tells us something about the nature of the problem. No, uh, no investor is going to take it on, so talk about closing it down and privatization, I think it's sort of a moot point. Uh, these things aren't really going to solve the, the ESCOM problem. It's so huge. It's sort of the spider web, you know, throughout the country. Mm-hmm. We know when there's load shedding, there's massive, the economy grinds to a halt. We see job losses, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, the most important point is about the debt, and we simply need different options from ESCOM. Okay. And, and the fact that at the moment government certainly will 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 bail out, will support ESCOM, right. is that okay? I mean, that's not infrastructure, but that certainly gives them – the funding, right? Yes. And I think the most important point about any bailout, whether it's ESCOM, SAA, it's the taxpayer. So the government doesn't generate its own income. It gets it from the taxpayer. So we're bailing out ESCOM in effect for its failures. And that's the problem when you have a monopoly because ESCOM can, re- can keep on repeating these mistakes. We can have new board members. We can have plans about unbundling, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But it's all very superficial. I think we'll simply see bailout after bailout. Okay, so, so one is the, is the issue of huge debt. Uh, the, the other would be the one that concerns most of us directly, mm. which is infrastructure collapse. Yeah. 
uh, and that has an impact on, yeah. on our on our lives. Right? Yeah. Tell, tell me about the infrastructure collapse. So again, it goes back to the monopoly aspect. We know ESCOM's infrastructure is very old, a lot of it. We know that the power stations, Madupi especially, the cost overrun is huge right now. So ESCOM simply can't keep up with where its maintenance is. And if we had different players in the market, at least we wouldn't have all this pressure on ESCOM. We keep putting the pressure on ESCOM to supply electricity to 60,000, uh, sorry, 60 million South Africans. It shouldn't be a surprise that we see load shedding and, and mm. grid collapse it's simply with the infrastructure it's too much pressure now okay so that's the infrastructure then the next one is the well-documented issue around corruption or allegations of mm. corruption uh and that's ongoing any anything you'd like to comment on that i just think uh, you know when you have government involvement in any sort of area of the market the chance for corruption is higher it's very lucrative if you get this contract with escom and you get to build you know power stations and things because it's going to keep ba- getting bailed out if it fails so the does the temptation for corruption is simply too big. I think if we limited that by limiting the role of ESCOM, we I think ESCOM should still we can still have it in a limited capacity, but we need different other producers and suppliers of electricity. So ESCOM right now, because of the place it's in, if you get involved, you're going to do very well monetarily, and you sort of don't have to worry about the consequences. Mm. Okay, then the other one, other one is around load shedding. I mean, we've touched on it, but but in effect, that's the one that we see most yeah. often, right? Yeah. How how damaging is that so on the one level for people at homes mm. it's it's an irritation mm-hmm. and the odd time yes you may find uh maybe some of your food's gone off but but it's more an irritation because right. it's, it's not that long it's two three hours maybe four right mm-hmm. but overall if you measure that in terms of productivity hours how, how damaging is load shedding when it happens i think it's very difficult to quantify you know give a certain rand number but we can just think of the mining industry they, they don't have a reliable energy supply, so they have to limit their operations very much. And you think of the workers who are losing their jobs, have to limit their hours, that's less pay that they can now you know, receive from the mines. So you can see the ripple effects of load shedding throughout the economy. People can't rely on, on – they don't have an energy source to rely on, so why would they build businesses? Why would they start trading? Why would they do these things in the country if they don't know from one hour to the next whether the lights are going to go on or off? And again, to me, it goes back to the pressure on ESCOM. They're simply you – know, they're sort of putting out fires as quickly as those fires pop mm. back up. But, but one thing is difficult to quantify, but – but it does have an impact on the morale of a country, yeah. right? And I'm thinking about Venezuela, mm. and they had an absolute blackout. Yeah. And we talk about uh, stage four. They virtually had a stage five, right. Or, right? Complete shutdown just a couple of days ago. What impact does it have on the, on the, on the morale and the self-esteem of a country? I think it's very, it's very crippling. Uh, it's stifling to any any notion of economic growth. You know, we, we get excited in South Africa when we hear we might have 1% growth, never mind 6 or 7% as, as we talked about a, a few years ago. But to me, it filters into people's psyche because they don't, you know, there's sort of no light at the end of the tunnel. You you hear, okay, ESCOM is going to be unbundled. Maybe that'll work. Or you hear there's a new board member. Maybe that'll work. But a few months afterwards, we hear about another bailout or more corruption. Mm. And it sort of it keeps hammering the psyche. It's like it's it's little these chips, you know. In our you think of of our psyche as a window, and these little chips, these little rocks keep hitting the window. Eventually, it's going to break. So you know, I, it's very difficult to to see why people, you know, why we keep sort of trudging along the same path. Mm. Okay, I'll tell you what. You can engage with with myself, and you can engage with our guest as well as we talk ASCOM. My guest is Chris Hatting. He's the researcher at the uh, Free Market Foundation. We're looking at ASCOM where it is, um, and and the big question really is will the problem is persist. Basically, maybe on the positive side is, are we able to get ESCOM out of trouble 
and and what that really means. And linked to that is leadership and corruption and infrastructure collapse and, and, and so many things. So what do you make of what's going on in ESCOM, number one? Number two, what's your solution? And I'm really looking at it, you. I want to know from, uh, you know, Pramin Gordon and all the other guys overseeing state-owned enterprises or the president. What about you? You must have a strong view on this one. What's your solution to the problems we face around ESCOM. I'll get to your calls in a moment. Hashtag SFM Viewpoint, if you're going to tag, if you're going to tweet, and then uh, use that hashtag and then tag me, Ashraf Garda, and do tag SFM Radio as well. Uh, Chris, let's pick up on the issue of the commitment already that it's it's not being privatized, but it's simply mm. being unbundled mm-hmm. in terms of three subsidiary companies now that will belong to the holding company. Your, right. your take on that? Again, I think it might be very superficial because the three entities are still going to be owned sort of by ESCOM, mm-hmm. i.e. by the government. So I think it might just be you know new fresh buzzwords that are being thrown around. Um, maybe people think if the politicians think if they give us new words, we might you know be happy for a few months and think, okay, things will now be solved. But I don't see that anything substantial is going to change because ESCOM still has the role of sole supplier to the country. There's, uh, we, have, we can have independent producers that can produce electricity, but they still need to feed into the national grid. And as I said, the pressure on ESCOM. So the grid itself, the infrastructure, you know, that's all under pressure and that's collapsing. These producers need to be allowed to sell to people directly and take that pressure off of ESCOM. I don't think we're going to see any difference with this unbundling unless we see a change in philosophy. It's like if you think about a football team, for example, Real Madrid. Mm. They've gone through how many managers in the last few months since Zinedine Zidane left and now he's back they have these star players but the underlying philosophy is wrong so you need to change the philosophy of ESCOM its role you know as I said it can still play a limited role but you need a, at least some sort of competition and, 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 and but having said that with he, in his case we know the dogs football right. at all and <laughs> You're then bringing back someone who's implemented a philosophy that, that they know worked. Right. Are, are we in that position in ESCOM to, to, to hire someone mm. with an absolute magic one that they've done it already, ideally at ESCOM mm. before, mm. if not at ESCOM, at a similar problem-infested state-owned enterprise? I'm sure that there are people with serious expertise and skills and things, and they could definitely come in and help. But as I said… The, the role of ESCOM is simply too huge. Um, it can't supply all this electricity to the country anymore. I mean, we, we see that it can't anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the writer and philosopher Ayn Rand had a saying, A is A. The debt of ESCOM is simply too huge. It cannot sustain you know, what it's doing right now. That's the reality. As much as we might have pride in ESCOM, that sort of thing, you can only have pride in something if it's working, if it's sustainable, if it's reliable. So, no, I don't um, – I, I, yeah, I find it difficult to, to see any sort of real change. Okay. More, more to come. In fact, let's get to some of the callers. Now, Mike's holding on. Uh, Mike, hi. Yeah, hello, Ashraf. Good evening. Good evening to you. Good evening indeed. Um, Thanks. Yeah, no, great, great show. Thank you, thank you. Thank previous, you. previous guest as well. Um, yeah, Ashraf, uh, my, my call is one of desperation. Uh, I just, uh, and I really wasn't going to phone in, but, you know, we discussed, this is, I've heard this conversation a million times and your, your guest there is so well versed in, 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 in the ESCOs and disasters. But, but let's, why don't we just actually cut to the chase here? The chairman of ESCOM, uh, nobody even raised an eyebrow, quite frankly. We're so used to it. Himself seems to have shares of 26 million in a company that actually works for Eskom and makes money out of it. And then we heard it, uh, I think it was in the Zonda Commission, I speak under correction here, but there was some 26 million rand loan or something from Harang, uh, which was some Chinese company that was going to involve, that involved uh, the Guptas and, and that thing and so on. The fact of the matter is, 
that what we're not talking about in this evening's show is that until such time as the government of the day, and that is the ANC, actually stops corrupting the organization, which it simply cannot do. It's politically unable to stop the corruption. Our lights are eventually, like Venezuela, going to go out. We have an election coming up, and people are going to vote back in the ANC. Okay, but here's, the, here's the question. Here's the question. Yes. I understand your point about stopping corruption. Goodness, I can't understand how anybody, whichever political party they, they, they may prefer, would actually say it's okay to have corruption. It undermines our entire nation, and we know that right but the question is even if corruption stops next week the impact of corruption will be felt for a good number of years now in the meantime something still needs to happen with ESCOM isn't it and that's the question we're talking about what needs to happen now Yes, Ashraf, unfortunately, we all know that it runs deeper than that. The ANC is playing a massive race card in this whole thing. What they're doing is they're swaying the electorate to vote for the ANC because it's become a black-white issue. ESCOM is, in fact, should be the one very reason what should be discussed in the vote, upcoming vote is how do we manage ESCOM? Because without ESCOM, we don't have a country. But, of course, we're not talking about ESCOM. We are on your show, but the country is not talking about ESCOM. It's talking about race. It's talking about black against white. And, of course, it's talking about expropriation without compensation. And that's the tragedy. We can have these conversations, and your guest will continue to tell us everything he knows and very wisely and shrewdly and, and cleverly. But the fact of the matter is... That's not what the country should is talking. We should be talking about expropriation without compensation. We have a race card being played in this country of massive proportions. And quite frankly, until such time as we recognize that, every other conversation we have really is a secondary nature because we're doomed if we don't deal with the real issue, okay. and that is God, ESCOM. But God. we're not really talking about it. It's not an election issue, unbelievably. Okay, got that. That's Mike. Uh, Sella will get to you in a minute. Uh, re- respond to, to, that, uh, to Mike's thoughts, uh, Chris. I think um, you know people. Some people like to point to sort of the the success stories of ESCOM, and you know when it was under, when mm. South Africa was still under apartheid, but they forget that it was catering to a very small proportion of the the um, the country, yeah. a certain race group. So nowadays we expect ESCOM with aging infrastructure to to supply electricity to 60 million South Africans, and to me, I agree that you know some politicians might play the race card, but to me, regardless of which political party is in charge, ESCOM is still simply too big. Um, whether the ANC, the EFF, the DA, Freedom Front, ACDP, whoever's in power, ESCOM is still going to be this inefficient sort of behemoth that cannot account for supply and demand because it's propped up by the government. It can fail time after time, but we're going to keep So you're very out. clear about privatization, and I'll come back to that in just a second. Hello on the line from Pelicani. Hello, uh, hello. Hi, sir. Yeah, good talking to you. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking my call. Look, I, I think we're still going to repeat ourselves for, for, from this issue. Um, we can whinge and whine no how as long as we can and how much we can make noise. Politicians don't listen to us, Ashraf. There are experts in this country. There are analysts of energy in this country. The ones SAFM interview each and every day here on the radio. They don't listen to those people. Here, it, as long as we talk among ourselves here, Ashraf, decisions are taken by these goons called our leaders in parliament. And as much as your guests and you and I mm. talk, nothing happened. How, how, how many conversations, how many, um, uh, 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 I'm not sure if it's a general uh, analyst there, 
we had in this radio talk about ESCOM myself. Okay, so, so if, I, if I hear what you're saying, I just want to narrow it down. So, so let's say we agree okay. with you, okay, that nothing happened. So, so what then... What then needs to be done? If you're saying that they're not listening to us, then what needs to be done? Because you and I and everybody else listening, we actually have a life to lead. We've got families. We've got, you know, children, grandchildren, cousins, uncles, grandparents. We have a life to lead. We have aspirations. What therefore needs to happen? <laughs> I know, you know, that, 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 that's a big question um, that um, I think politicians can answer. Because wherever we as a nation trying to advise them what needs to be done, they just give us a middle finger. That's it, Ashraf. Okay. We are well, good as people. Thank you. All right. Thank you. There you are. Uh, let's get another call and I'll get you to respond. Eddie, go ahead. Hi. Hi. How are you, Ashraf? I'm very good indeed. Thanks. Thank, thank you. And your guests as well, my greetings. No, Bramaik uh, must not divert us, <laughs> but we'll come on that one. These other issues that you mentioned, the land, and they are very important as well. And thanks for giving us this platform that we must talk about. Well, there you are. The show is I called just, The Viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to ask you, your guest about um, the proposal that the president has made in terms of the committees that will assist ESCOM. Is he optimistic about that? Um, because... Um, let me. I, I am. I'm uh, optimistic, but I don't want to be too optimistic. Okay, I'll, got that. I'll, I'll let, the other one, Ashraf. Yeah. Um, I just want the government to go back to what uh, the former minister Valimusa suggested. That why can't we have district electric distributors? Uh, and how far are we with that? We have just uh, rejected the plan or what is happening. Thank you very much. Okay, got that. Respond to, respond to well, I mean, the, the second part in terms of the, the special task forces or committees to look into problems, what's your take on that? Well, far be it from me to, to <laughs> rate on anyone's optimism, um, but it might be a step in the right direction and a small step. We at least have, might have some sort of oversight and some nominal expertise where they can take certain parts of ESCOM and tell them, okay, you need to do this direction mm-hmm. and that direction. But, yeah, to me, the underlying problems won't be solved because you're still, you've got ESCOM as the sole supplier. I'm, I think these are sort of band-aids on a, on a gashing wound um, that we need to, we need to address, you know, you need to like, you need to sew up the wound and solve the underlying problem. Otherwise, it's going to be temporary solutions. Okay. The, the 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 previous caller, of course, made the point about um, uh, nobody listens. Maybe just just pause mm. on the nobody listens because there are people calling and they want to be listened to. So we'll get to them right after this. Hashtag cover. My favorite drama is on. Huh? Cover. Yeah. Tembi just discovered that all the money has been stolen. Now Sipo is a suspect. Gaga, did you just say hashtag cover? Yeah, as in look, like hashtag cover. How easy, convenient and fast it is to receive your TV license statement and pay electronically. That's great, Gaga, because you will never miss an episode of your favorite drama. Because you can do it all while sitting on your couch. Hashtag that. <laughs> pay your TV license the simple way. Go to tvlic.co.za. SABC TV licenses. Hashtag made possible by you. So, did you know that if you manufacture, distribute, market, or sell goods and services regulated by the Consumer Protection Act, then you're required, and this is important, to comply with the industry code and register with the Consumer Goods 
and Services Ombud. Now, here's the number you need to call, 011-781-2607, 011-781-2607. There's also a website, which is cgso.org.za, cgso.org.za, if you need to know more. The CGSO, um, maintaining fair play between consumer and supplier. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.1 FM in Bombela. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. There's maybe time for one or two more calls, so uh, keep them coming. Let's. Uh, just to tell you, we are chatting to Chris Hatting, who's the researcher at the Free Market Foundation. Now, Chris, the previous caller we had suggested that the people on the top, they don't listen. They, they mm-hmm. do what they want. Is is it true? I think your caller hit on a very important point about the role of government. Um, before every election, we hear the different parties coming to us with these grand promises about what they're going to do for us, what they're going to give to us. You know, they're trying to get our votes. And then once the election is over, they sort of go quiet again until the next big issue. And then we try and hold them accountable. I think the, so the government and the state in general is too big. Uh, they're unaccountable. Uh, and that tells us a lot about how the role that they see for themselves, not as servants of the people, but as rulers of the okay. people. Now, now, coming from where you are, the Free Market Foundation, maybe it's understandable that you would push for, um, you know, privatization. Sure. But, so would you have done that now? I would rather advocate for competition and decentralization. As I said, ESCOM can still be a player. But at the very least, we need an open energy market. Then we can see if different companies, whether they're renewable, fossil fuels, etc. I'm not an advocate for mm. you know any of the above, as long as they can sort of give uh, relatively cheap electricity to people, then they can compete with each other. We will see more job creation and hopefully we'll see lower prices. Okay, so you're saying, in fact, keep ESCOM, mm. don't privatize right. it, but but create the competition yeah. as well. I don't think anyone will buy ESCOM anyway with its debt. If, if, we, if we, that's the case, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, but that's not going to happen. What then is the role of these independent producers mm. you talk about? Tell us more about them. Well, hopefully, you know, in my ideal situation, they would be on a level playing field with ESCOM. So no prices would be artificial. ESCOM wouldn't get preferential treatment from the government. These guys would have to compete with ESCOM on a level playing field. As far as as I understand it right now, they have to sell to ESCOM and then ESCOM distributes it to people. So the pl- the price, the supply and demand theory of economics is way out of okay. out of sync. So, so the point is, even if South Africa, the country, chose to want to unbundle uh, ESCOM and, and sell off and strip its assets, there are no buyers. So so it will not derive the type of value right. that it needs. They stuck for now. KGM, give me your thoughts. Hi. Good evening, Ashraf. Good evening to you. Yeah, good talking good to evening. you as always. Go ahead, KGM. In the Eastern Cape. Yes. Ashraf, uh, there's a say that, that goes in Setswana. Maboko dinku atibana. And another one says, Sidiku atin chapedi hasetat. Now, Easily translated. Um, the two will always be better than one. Here, here's the solution. You asked the previous caller what should be done. He's, he's raising a very important point. We are, we are not being listened to, not only about ESCOM, but almost about everything. Mm. We've given politicians so much power. Mm-hmm. We've also given criminals so much power, such that they are no longer scared of us because they know that they are in control. The solution is, we don't even have to cry over this new formation of, of ESCOM, another ESCOM wannabe, if you like, in the so-called the, the renewable energy and so forth. 
let, let's get together in our own small ways, villages, towns, dorpies, whatever. Let, let's buy, let's start, uh, uh, you know, collecting monies on our own, buy ourselves solar panels or renewable energies assets. We don't have to buy it from ESCOM. We don't have to buy it from anybody else. Let's have our own little plants. Ashraf, I've, I've been across the continent, and uh, I, can, I can refer you to a country called CAR, CAR mm-hmm. uh, Central African Republic. You should see how they, they have electricity in the deep rural areas of that country. It's got nothing to do with the, the national grid. It's got everything to do with self-sustainable, self-sustenance of those people. So let's stop complaining. We will not win with these criminals. So, so you're saying go off the... Basically, you're saying get off the grid, right? Get, get off the national get grid. Get off the grid. Yeah, let's get off the grid and do our, not only the ESCOM grid, even the banks, even all these things where corruption is so, uh, you know, deep-rooted. Let's leave them. Let's open our own banks. Let's get together. Let's, the power of unity will we'll get these people to teach them a lesson that they will never forget. Okay, there we are. Interesting thoughts, as always, from... KGM, I need to ask him, uh, not today, some other time, KGM, but every day you're in a different town. So what exactly do you do? Uh, respond to KGM. I think your caller could be a very hardcore libertarian and not uh, not realize it just yet, that notion of individual responsibility and people taking care of these things for themselves. It might well be the best route that we go to right now because it doesn't seem like uh, any of the panels and, and government bodies are going to listen to us and actually implement any changes. Okay, and uh, so, so, so you, you uh, but, but the practicality of actually going off the grid. No, stuff, sure. Yeah, it's it's very in, difficult. In terms and, of the numbers, and that's again the problem with ESCOM being the sole supplier. So, uh, as far as I know, you you can't you can generate your own electricity, but you need to register with the government, and everything needs to get approved, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the practicality is simply through the roof. The impracticality, sorry. Well, maybe that's an important <laughs> point when it comes yeah. to solar heating through the roof. Just by the way, uh, uh, maybe time for one more call. I want to just check up. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes um, uh, where we are, Chris. Just any other issues around the way forward? So so let's forget the ideals, okay? Mm. What, what are the practical maybe three things that, that you would put forward based upon your research at the, at the Free Market Foundation? So number one with what the president said with his uh, unbundling. Mm. Let's make it th- actually three separate entities at the very least. So then you have some sort of transparency and oversight. Mm. Number two, let's implement an open energy policy. So these IPPs, these other players can at least generate and sell electricity. And number three, let's have transparency throughout. So no one gets preferential treatment. Uh, it's in a clear law. We can have a new electricity bill or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, as we know, politicians like bills and amendments and things. So I have one where it says everyone is on an equal playing field. We're going to do this. Uh, if you want to generate electricity and sell it, you can. And then we proceed from there. And hopefully we'll see some sort of lowering well, of prices. We talk about the cost of electricity because we talk about free education. But in the meantime, electricity is going to go up once again. So where do you get the, the generation to uh, the, the – the, well, in terms of uh, energy generation, if you can't afford that. Uh, Lubabalo from uh, Makanda, go ahead, hi. Yes, hi. This is uh, Ras Lubabalo in Makanda. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, I hear everyone, this one is talking this, and this one is saying this, but we, the people here on the ground, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. What here, we, the people on the ground, saying we need a regime change. Now they must go down, they must pack their bags, their AMC bags and all their government, they must go out. We are suffering people on the ground. Don't have electricity. We face this uh, shutdown, shutdown every time. So enough is enough for us. 
Okay, got got that. Enough is enough. Uh, we thank you for that uh, call. We let's talk about the cost of electricity. It's interesting because we had we spoke about education earlier on, mm. and there's this major drive that no, we need to access to education is important. But if electricity continues costing more money, as it as we know it's going to do once again, mm. it it puts it it has an impact on on productivity levels, if not in business, certainly in terms of households. Mm. It, it, it's a huge problem. How do we resolve that? Right, massively. I mean, where do you if you if you see the price of electricity go up month after month, where do you decide to allocate your money, your your household budget? Are you going to focus more on food or electricity, transport, fuel? You know, the fuel price also keeps going up. Um, I think it's it's a reflection of the fact that ESCOM is struggling so much and that its infrastructure, you know, it's falling apart so much. So it needs more and more money to f- plug these holes that simply can't be plugged. Uh, when you when you have an issue with supply and demand where the government is in the middle, you always see an inflated price. So government can't account for price mechanisms. If I, as a consumer, wanted to buy something from a company, I go directly to that company and they can you know assess the price, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe I can barter mm, with them. Mm. But right now, the government is in, in the middle between us and ESCOM. So there's no direct link between us and the supplier. And I think that's mainly the reason why we see these so, prices so keep on inflated. Yeah. So, so lastly, if, if you and I had a chat in five years from now, okay, <laughs> what do you think we'd be talking about, Eskom? I think we'd be talking about the next bailout. The same with SAA, um, maybe the same with other state-owned enterprises. Unfortunately, you know, we're going to keep digging this hole unless we see real, you know, reforms and changes. As in on the ground, I think it's a ground-up approach. We should have the view that people are capable of doing these things for themselves. Uh, they should be allowed to build new businesses and start independent power producers and these sorts of things. We shouldn't assume that government should be the sole supplier of everything in our lives. Otherwise, we're going to keep running into these problems. I mean, my, personally, I'm an optimist, so I would like to you know, think that we won't be talking about another bailout. But I think the politicians okay. are so wedded to the idea we might simply head down that road. I was road. going to say, an optimist talking about a bailout, whether you <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen, I hope you're wrong. Chris Hatting, thanks for your time. Most appreciated. Thank you. Chris, is, uh, Chris Hatting is a researcher at the Free Market Foundation talking about ASCOM and where is it to where it is, what more needs to happen, where is it going to land up in a couple of years' time. We'll talk innovation in a moment.